So welcome. First Wednesday, and there's a lot of firsts this week. It's good. It's good. Amen. It's good. We had a phenomenal uh, first noon prayer uh, yesterday. Uh, man, God showed up in a powerful way. Uh, I have to be honest with you. I have to be honest, Pastor Richie. Uh, Sunday. Come on, Sunday. Come on. Come on. I mean... I, I've, I, I've been a lot of places, and we'll get to that, but I, I've traveled with Pastor Kevin for over 15 years. I've been to a lot of churches. I've been to church launches. I've been to, to, been to camp meetings. I've been to uh, conferences, but uh, 1178. 1178. And, and, and I'm not a, I think that everything can be measured in metrics, but the reality is that's souls, that's lives that are that are here to be changed, transformed, and touched by God. It, it's it, that, that, right? Come on, somebody, somebody. So tonight, uh, in, in preparation for this, uh, I, I was in prayer and I, you know, I was, I was asked to, to preach tonight. And I said, you know, I, what I really feel is I feel like we're supposed to, to teach tonight. I feel like we're supposed to lay foundation. This is a foundational team. You're a team, you're a family. We're going to, we're going to, that's what I just feel. I feel that in my heart. So we're going to lay some foundation. We're going to talk uh, about what the uh, heart of the house is. And so we're going to get into this. And when I, we were in preparation, uh, I really believe that the Lord uh, uh, touched this. But it's, we're going to start a series called Building the House or Building His House. Amen? Amen. Building His House. And so, uh, I, you know, and we'll get into this a little bit more about... Um, what that means, but it's not just a physical building that we're building, okay? It's a beautiful building, lots of cool lights, lots of cool stuff in here, but that, that's, we're going to be building his house and what that looks like. So uh, I guess the f first part of this is um, really how can we build a house the Lord would be attracted to and choose to dwell in? And so I brought Pastor Richie and I, I said, man, I wanted Pastor Richie to come up here and we could just talk about this because I think that there's something that happens when there's dialogue. I've been in a lot of great conferences, a lot of hot, fiery preaching, but there's something that's caught when it's taught. Amen. And so tonight we're going to teach some of the most impactful times uh, that I've sat in rooms was when there was a, a, a panel discussion or a dialogue. I, I believe so. I'm a, one that retains it better when I can hear a conversation about it than sometimes just being preached to uh, about it. So uh, Pastor Richie and I are going to help to break this down. He's going to help me with this tonight. We're going to play off each other. I think, it, you know, people see things through different lenses and people have different anointings. So tonight we're going to ask questions. We're going to impart. We're going to exhort. We're going to do a little bit of everything. But most of all, we just want to teach. So Pastor Chris is excited. He titled this message. He's a, an anointed man of God. So let me just ask you straight up. How can we build a house of the Lord that people would be attracted to, people that want to come. Why did they come tonight? What is it that we're doing to attract people to come out on a Wednesday night? Well, I think the most important thing that we have or that we can do is establish culture. I think it all ties back to culture. You and I were just in a, a meeting with our whole staff uh, and what that looked like was Pastor Kevin talking about culture and what that what that is. What does culture 
mean? What is it? We hear that word. It's a, it's, a, it's a catchphrase that we hear often. It's a cool phrase. But do we know what that really means and what that looks like? So uh, for us, culture, um, you know, the question, what is culture, I think is, is, is where we need to start. And culture is the water that we swim in. Uh, we're, we're, we're good. I love the piano. I'm going to ask you to come back up here in just a few minutes, but uh, my, my ADD starts wandering. Uh, and uh, so um, what, what is culture? It's the water that we swim in or the reality of the room. Uh, and and uh, how many came, how many were here on Sunday? Okay. When you walked into the, the, the vestibule, the, the foyer of this building, the lobby of this building. Did you, what did that feel like? Did it feel inviting to you? Were, were there people out in the parking lot that, you know, I, I mean, I, where's James Bilbrey at? Uh, James, I'm going to talk about you here in a minute, but he was out in the parking lot on Sunday. But, but, but culture is the, uh, what brings people or draws people to a place is the type of culture that it carries. And one of the things that didn't just happen out there, by the way, that didn't just, that, that's intentional. That doesn't just happen. Uh, you have to be intentional, uh, intentional about the culture that you are building. Uh, th- those, that, that came because there were meetings. That, that's DNA transfer. That's DNA transfer. I sat under Pastor Kevin for 15 years before I've stepped onto this pulpit or in this, in, on this stage, on this platform. And that's DNA transfer, something transferred. And so before you guys even got in the room on Sunday, we were having meetings about culture and what that looks like, the heart of the house, the heartbeat of what we do and why what we do is what the why behind what we do and so um that's kind of i think where where we start with that is is sunday was a great example tonight was a great example of of the dna transfer and culture absolutely and what i would say to that pastor chris is uh, 22 years ago, I believe it was 20, almost 20 years ago, 22 years ago, something like that, Pastor Kevin took over a church as a pastor called Mountain Meadows that became Redemption Point, became Redemption to the Nation. So what you experienced Sunday did not just happen. It happened 20 years ago. It happened 17 months ago when we started negotiating on this building. Culture had already been in place. Atmosphere had already been set. What happened Sunday was uh, months and months and months of preparation and prayer and seeking God and asking God to send people that we could shepherd, sheep that we could shepherd, people that would come that would trust us enough to be their pastors, trust Pastor Kevin enough to be their pastor. So uh, I think culture and atmosphere is not anything that can be built overnight. It's like anything else. It's not an overnight sensation. All the stuff in the media, they open up and they've already got a megachurch. No! That happened 20 years ago. That happened, as Pastor Kevin told you Sunday, in a prayer closet in Hughes Hall at Lee University when he was 17 years old. So all this has taken place and all the part that you play in building culture and atmosphere is something that we're going to continue to work on and work on and develop and develop. But it's been a lot of prayer. I can't tell you how many hours this man and our team have been in prayer about today, uh, excuse me, about Sunday and about tonight. Yeah, and you know, there's a story that uh, about a, ba- a bamboo tree, 
and there, I can I forget the the type of bamboo it is, but it's a bamboo that spends years. I think it's five to seven years uh, underground before it even breaks the surface, and then after that it grows. I think it's something like a foot a day or something uh, uh, crazy like that. But but the the time that you see it, uh, it spent way more time underground, uh, uh, and I believe that that's what we're, you're seeing here uh, is a culture that was bathed in prayer. It's a culture that has been cultivated uh, over years and years. Uh, culture isn't just uh, what you swim in, but it's what follows you when you enter a room. Uh, you know, often how many times have you ever been in a walk into a room and you, you heard the term uh, or uh, the tension in here is so tight or so so thick you could cut it with a knife? How many's heard that? You know what that is? It's the atmosphere of the room. Okay, it means that something in the room. There's an. We don't wrestle flesh and blood. Somebody, come on. We wrestle against principalities and powers. And what, 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 what do you mean with that? That means that every principality needs a personality to operate through. And so when you walk in the room, you're not, you're not dealing with people. You're dealing with, with principality. You're dealing with spiritual things that are in the atmosphere. And so culture is something that we carry with us. Whether you want to or not, it's, it's what you carry. And if you're intentional, then you'll carry the culture of the kingdom. Okay, and what we're going to get into a little bit about what that looks like, but um, it's 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 boundaries. Uh, culture is boundaries. Culture. Um, the best way to put this is, so when you establish culture, it is a boundary to other cultures that try to infiltrate. Your uh, best way, Conor McGregor goes to uh, Russia. He puts his arm around Putin, and that's just not the culture there. And McGregor almost lost his arm over it, okay? Because that's just not what happens there. That's not what you do there. Because the culture was implemented, and it's established. The culture is established, okay? And so culture is a boundary line. Uh, it's a boundary line that when you establish kingdom culture, when you establish the culture of Christ Jesus, something shifts around you and you carry that atmosphere with you. And so if you create an atmosphere of the kingdom, then the kingdom of darkness, if you establish a kingdom of heaven, a kingdom of darkness cannot pass the boundary line that has been established because the kingdom of heaven shall, it, it reigns, it reigns forever. It's going to reign forever because the king of kings and the Lord of lords is on the throne. Amen, somebody. Keep going. <laughs> Amen. You want him to keep going? Keep going. Keep talking. So when I talk about setting culture and establishing culture and atmosphere, and uh, those are all, you know, words we've heard before. Uh, but one of the things that we have to be uh, cognizant of is that we're not building just this building. When I talk about what we're talking about right now tonight, this isn't about because we're in a cool hit building. We want to see people. People are going to come to the church and to the house of the Lord. But it's not because we have a cool building. It's because you're going to implement the kingdom in the community. Amen, somebody? It's because you are going to begin to be a conduit of the kingdom in this community and in this city because you're going to be able to go places that I can't. You're going to be able to go places that we can't. So when we establish the culture of the kingdom, you're going to go into places that I, I, might, not, I might not be able to come to your job and have a lunch date with you. And so because of that, you're going to be the one that's the conduit of that culture in that community and in that, that, that job. And, and it's going to draw people because something's different about us. When we start operating in the, in the culture of the kingdom, when we start get off of a church mentality and into a kingdom mentality, 
Amen, somebody? There's a shift that takes place. And then all of a sudden, your coworkers and everybody like, well, what is going on there? I don't, I don't even have a clue. But, but, but that's what's going to happen in this place. So we're building the church because the Bible says that we are the temple. We are the temple. This is a great building, but we're the temple. We are the church. When we come together, it's, it's the revelation that, that, that Christ was going to build it, the, the revelation that he is the Lord, Savior, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's that, it's that revelation that when we grab a hold of that and partner with that, and we recognize that I'm not out here on my own, uh, but that we are a body. That the hand can't operate without the foot, and the foot can't operate without the, you know, the, you know that old song, the head bone, the leg bone, what, I, I don't, you know, but you know what I'm talking about. That it all, it's all connected, and we operate at that capacity. There's something that shifts in the atmosphere around us, and we carry that with us when it becomes so attractive that it begins to be un unintentional evangelism. Amen? You become so attractive to those around us that it becomes unintentional evangelism. I got permission to do this, and this, this ties into being what Pastor Chris is talking about, a place of love, a place of honor, a place of prayer, a place to minister to people, a representative of the kingdom. How many of you have the bumper sticker with the R, our, our logo, the R with the cross? It's on all of our T-shirts, and it's on the bumper stickers. Well, we're going to have to get them some bumper stickers. Yeah, well, I, I, okay, let, let, me, let me just be real transparent, and then I want to show you something. I want to introduce you to somebody, because being the kingdom means that there is a higher standard, right? It means that you're being watched everywhere that you go, everything you say, everything that you do. It's that, that commercial on TV right now with that old Sting police song, Everywhere You Go, I'll Be Watching You. But I... We gave out bumper stickers about a year ago, okay? And, I, you know, I don't have one. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't have one on my truck right now. You know why? My wife said when I drive, I'm a poor representative of Jesus Christ. She said road rage is not a part of the kingdom. Cutting somebody off, blowing your horn, and going a little bit above the speed limit is not a part of the kingdom. So you don't get a bumper sticker, Richie. But let me tell you what, let me tell you what I do know. And Ashley, where is Ashley? My friend Ashley. I met Ashley tonight. Stand up, Ashley. Let us let us welcome you. <laughs> Ashley, were you here Sunday? Okay, segue. Watch this. Do you know why she's here tonight? Because she was working at Pizza Hut Sunday. Come on. Do you know why she's here tonight? Because she came in and said, those people tip good. Come on. I don't know who those people are, but those people tip good. Come on. I want to go to that church to see what's going on over there because they were kind to me in the restaurant that I work at on my job. You know where I met Ashley? Checking in her child at RTTN Kids. So she's here tonight. Thank you, Ashley. She's here tonight. Because she wasn't here Sunday, but you went to her on Sunday. That's exhibiting, replicating, representing the kingdom, and it's representing RTTN, the church that aspires to be the most loving church in the world. That's the vision. That's the vision of who we are. Uh, how do I build a church or a place where Jesus would want to dwell? That's what this is all about. Because when he dwells with us, Again, it's attractive. It's attractive. Something happens, and we begin to operate and function. It unlocks things. How, how many saw that in the room? 
It unlocked something. When she came over, you don't know why she was dancing. All I know is she was dancing. And when she started to dance, it shifted something in the room. Amen? And so when you begin to operate in your gifting and your calling and the kingdom, it unlocks things in regions. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. So we are aspiring. That's the vision. Um, is And tonight, we're going we're gonna to focus on love tonight. We're going to do a series. It's going to be uh, love, honor, prayer, and purpose. Okay? So tonight, we're going to talk about love, and then uh, uh, that's where we're going. We're going to establish this, and I want you to function and operate in this this week and watch your own personal endeavors shift. We'll, we'll get to that. You say, I, I, you say, oh, yeah, you're a liar. Chris, no. how does this all tie back to the great commandment? Well, I think you have to go and you have to look at, well, there's a couple, we were going to go a couple cool places today in scripture, but I think that, um, well, there's, there's a lot of different places, but I think that that's where we need to land right here is, is in first Corinthians. Uh, I think that before we go anywhere else, we need to look at first Corinthians chapter 13. If you have your word, go ahead and open up to it and say word. Word. Okay. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers. What is love? Love suffers long. And is kind. One, there's a scripture that says that long suf- the long suffering of the Lord is salvation. Think about that for a second. The long suffering of the Lord, His patience is salvation. And so the long suffering, uh, it's kind. Love does not envy. Love does not uh, parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not speak its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. I want you to hold up onto that real quick. Love, catch that. Love never fails. We live in a world where everything around us will fail. Amen? Everything. But love will never fail. It says, uh, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But love, it's the only thing in the Bible, love will never fail. It's the thing that will, will never fail. You may not be able to tear down walls. You may be able to not, you know, uh, Mr. Gorbachev, break down that wall. You know, you may never be, you might not be able to do that because it might be an invisible wall, but love will crash it down. It'll take it to the ground. R- love is a thing that you, you cannot go wrong with amen and you say well what why, why is that the vision of the house because that's God is love God is love he is all those things it's not that he can love it's not that uh, he wants to he is love God three three we've said it right at word God is love think about that for a second and so when he resides within us when we embrace that and we begin to uh, you know and, and you say well I man I'm gonna say a thing real quick can I say a thing real quick I've met some mean-spirited prophets. <laughs> I, may, I, I met some hateful prophets before. I've met some, uh, man, I've, I've met some people who operated in the gifts, but they were mean-spirited. And there is a difference between fruit and gifts. That's right. 
Okay, we'll, 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 we'll get in, you know, we'll talk about this down the road, but there is a difference. And you can, you can the gifts are not, those are, that's not the, the, the test, the acid test if someone walks with God. You want to know if someone walks with God, do they love people? Do they love well? I feel the anointing right now. When you start talking about the kingdom, you start talking about love, something happens because God is love. You start talking about his, his nature, who he is, it shifts things. But, but I met some mean people in my day that they had gifts. They laid people out on the floor. I mean, and, and they were operating from the position from gifts because gifts are given without repentance. But the fruit is something that is born out of intimacy with the Father. Amen? I'll get into this thing and we'll go. Let me say this about God is love. If you can grasp that, God is love, that's three three words. Love God, love people, that's four words, right? That just summarized the entire Bible. Don't overcomplicate the gospel. You don't have to have a degree in Greek and Hebrew. That helps us when we go to seminary. And I got a minor in Bible and and done all that, and Pastor Kevin's got more degrees than a thermostat. But it doesn't matter. When you overcomplicate things, you don't understand things. If you can understand those three words, God is love, love God, love people, then you can be all that you need to be for the kingdom. Well, and when we were worshiping, uh, Crystal and I were talking for a second. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that you have to know is know the room. Okay, when, you're, when you are pastoring and when you are ministering, you need to know who's in the room. And the, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and tell you what you, what, because there's a, there's a draw. And the Lord was showing, there's somebody in this room that, 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 I don't know if they struggle with knowing that God loves them. But if God is love, that it's impossible for you to be outside of his embrace. I, there's somebody, Crystal said it, there's somebody who may be laying in bed at night struggling with that thought, do you do? I, am I really loved by God, or or that you think that you are um, beyond His love? And I'm gonna get into my testimony in a minute, but but you're not beyond His love because if God is love, then He loves you, and you need to know that because in order for you to love, you need to know that God is love and that He loves you. Yeah. Amen. And it's it's not conditional; it's unconditional love. You don't do it. You can't work for it. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can, you can't prophesy enough. You can't be holy enough. Even our holiness, my holiness on my greatest day is like filthy rags. Ratchet, y'all. It's a, that's a street term. Ratchet. It's ratchet. My love is, or my, who I am is ratchet on on my best day. It's not conditional. You don't have to buy it. There's no, it's, 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 he, he made you and he loves you. And you need to hear me say that. You need to know that. Okay, amen? Amen. And you said the great, what, the, the, the great commandment, right? Yes. Matthew 22. Yep. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? This is the new covenant. This is the covenant that we live under. Amen? Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, which means it's as important. It's, at, it's just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. That could be tough sometimes. There's sometimes I've walked into some rooms and had some neighbors I didn't want to love so much. If you're anything like me and where I came from, that took a process. When Crystal first met me, I remember uh, uh, I had to bring an air mattress back that we had just bought, and it had a hole in it. Uh, we had just bought it, and Walmart was like, we're not taking back any air mattresses, while they had a shopping cart full of returned air mattresses. So apparently there was something going on with some air mattresses that day. And I had just bought it, and I, had, I wasn't saved, but that, all that, you know, 
There was still some, there, there was sanctification as a process, y'all. Amen. He didn't have a sticker on his car either. No. <laughs> but, but, but I, I mean, that, that I had, you have to choose love. That's a choice. It's a choice. And uh, uh, that, I had to choose that that day. Okay, there are many times where you, you, you're going to, it's, it's that this thing, this is the flesh. And the flesh wants to do one thing, and that's to satisfy the flesh. It does not want to be crucified. It does not want to love. Love is, love, man, and I'm, can I just, love and lust are two different things. Love and lust are two different things. One is pure and the other is perver- can be perverted, okay? Amen? And true love is a choice. Amen? Keep going. Preach. <laughs> You're supposed to preach tonight anyway, so I'm just up here to support him. Um, going on, love calls out of you what God sees in you. Now, now, I'm getting into, now, now I'm getting into where my story is. Love calls out of you what God sees in you. It's creating an atmosphere that embraces people, that they would feel welcomed, comfortable, and belonging, whether it's their first time encounter at a church and they have not yet found Jesus or they've walked with God and have been in church their entire life. It's creating an atmosphere that embraces people. And I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about if you embrace people, you're inviting people into the kingdom of heaven. You're inviting them into an encounter. You're, you're the hand of Jesus in the earth. He's called you. He's appointed you. He's anointed you. The, this, this is this much of ministry. This is this much, your life's work, what you do. That's why it says that Jesus did so many things that it couldn't be contained. He lived 33 years. It's still being done. He's working through you, okay? The reason why I can't be contained in all the libraries in the world is because it's still happening. He's alive and full of power through you. And so when you are embracing the idea of the kingdom and God is exuding his presence through you, you are his hand in the, in the earth. And, and when you operate and function as such, there's a story that's being told and it's bringing the lost in to their purpose. Amen. And go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. no. Go ahead. I, I, I want to no. go. No, I think what he's saying and, and what I would elaborate on is that we're still doing the work that took place over 2,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. And you've heard this before, but if you've got your Bible with you, turn to Acts chapter 29. Who's got it? I need somebody to volunteer to read Acts chapter 29. Tori, you got it? Y'all love Tori? Isn't she great? Look at that girl. Tori, come up here and read Acts chapter 29. There is none. Acts chapter 29 is what we're doing right now. That's right. It's carrying out the work of the Lord in the community to build the kingdom. Amen? We are Acts chapter 29. That's all right. the works that took place, all the prophets, all, the, all the, the messages that were spoken, all the healings, all those things, those don't stop. That's right. Because there was a book called Revelations. Those don't stop. That's what we're doing. We are Acts 29. That's right. So, so I'm here because of what we're t talking about tonight. I'm a product of this house. So let me just, let me say that real quick. I'm a product of this house. You say, well, what does that mean? I, I came to this house back when it was Mountain Meadows. Yep. 
We were in a gym. We had just moved to a gym. It was before we had cool curtains and LED screens and smoke machines and fog machines and all the bells and whistles. It was in a gymnasium with a, a thing on the floor so we didn't scuff up the basketball court and we had chairs and we had to put them out every week because the youth also used it for youth and basketball. But, but it was a house that was established on the culture of the kingdom by a man and a woman who had a vision to be the most loving church in the world because that's what God said. So I walked into this church and I wasn't saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. In fact, I was still smoking cigarettes and drinking. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put it all out there. I'm gonna tell y'all all, all the all the dirty laundry because it's for His glory, right? Amen. So I walked in lost as as a you know I mean I was I was a mess. That what lost is an understatement. I was a mess. You know they say that you you find the bottom of the barrel. I was like underneath it somewhere. Uh, and so I walked into a house that most pastors would have looked at me and said, man, he smells like Marlboro's and I'm not going to talk to him because I'm not going to, why don't you get your stuff together first and then come back and then we'll talk, right? So I walked into the house. It was two pastors who yielded to the presence of the Lord, right? That they wanted the spirit of God to have his way and it wasn't about their way. Amen. And so because I walked into an atmosphere where the kingdom was being, uh, uh, or was in operation, uh, the, it gave a place for the spirit of God to move. So before Pastor Kevin even took the pulpit and how many know he's the best preacher that you, I mean, my the man could preach. That's why I don't even, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to talk tonight because I can't even pretend to holler in a flat, okay? So, so he, he didn't even step to the pulpit yet, okay? We were in worship, and there was a tongue given and an interpretation. I had an open vision, and the Lord, I'm telling you, you can believe me or not, I really don't care. It happened, because, and, it, and it sustained, it's sustain that's how I know it happened because it was sustainable. It's it lasted. It wasn't a bad pizza. It wasn't, you know, I had Taco Bell. It was nothing like that. It was an encounter with a living God who loves people in the middle of their mess. Amen. In the middle of my mess, I, God reached out, and I had an open vision. And in this vision, the Spirit of the Lord said, why are you here now? You, you essentially grew up better than this. You knew better. Your parents went to church. You grew up in the house of the Lord. You ran from me. Why are you here now and not out in front of all of the destruction warning the people? And I melted. And God said, it's not too late. You I, I'm, I, you're not too far gone. I love you. I, he, and I felt an embrace of a supernatural hug I, I can't even explain. And I remember to this day, I was wearing a blue shirt when, from Kohl's with like uh, the tie and the shirt matched and it was a light blue. And by the time I got done crying, it was dark blue. It changed colors, okay? But that's what I'm a product of this house because there was a pastor who believed in a vision of love and it would be the, loving, the most lovingest church in, in the, the world. And, and because of that, the Holy Spirit was it was a place of invitation. It was a place that God wanted to be. And my life was forever changed because of that. And he operated in what we're talking about because the next day I had to call the, the church. I didn't know Pastor Kevin. He didn't know me. I just was like, yo, look, something serious happened in your church service. I ain't never seen or experienced before, but we need to have a talk. I called Miss Tammy, actually, uh, uh, and I said, Miss Tammy, she was the church secretary all the way, 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 way back. And she said, uh, yeah, I, I think we can maybe try to schedule that. I didn't know if I was going to get a phone call back or not, but he called me back, and he said, yeah, look, why don't you come into my office and meet? So I went into the office, and I met him, and uh, 
And because of that, uh, that meeting, he said, I want you to be a part of my mentorship. I still smell like smoke. What are you talking about? Be part of your mentorship? You know what that was? He saw something in me that I wasn't yet. Because when you begin to operate in the kingdom, you start to see things through the revelation, the lens that God sees things through. Okay? It goes back to what I was talking about before. It's seeing people where God sees them and how he sees his creation. When Pastor Kevin, he asked me a question after running with him for several, I guess it was a few years. I had been kind of running alongside of him. Not quite. I wasn't, you know, on staff. I was, I was just running, gleaning and mentorship things and just doing things around the church, ushering, whatever I could do. Because after that encounter, how many people know that you're just willing to scrub the toilets? That's what I told the Lord. I said, I'm going to scrub the toilets with a toothbrush just because of your grace and willingness to, to still love me through all of my mess. Amen. And so uh, the Pastor Kevin said to me, he said, you know, Chris, and he asked the whole staff this, but he said, well, why do you exist? Well, to help the church, I guess, you know, I, I don't know, help you. Why do I, whatever I can do to help, you know, why do you exist? I, what's the, what is your purpose for existing? And I'm like, I don't know, you know, he's like, it's deeper than that. And I said, okay. So he said, I, I, one of the very few times he looked at me very seriously he said, I, I, you need to really go home and pray about that. I went, oh. If you know Pastor Kevin, he's like a big teddy bear, and it's, it's, rare to, uh, it's rare to get him, you know, ruffled or fired up about something or very, very serious. Uh, and he said that to me, and so I went home, I began to pray, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Chris, you, I, you exist to extract out of people who I've called them to be from where they are right now. That's the mandate on this house. That's our responsibility. It's to extract out of people the greatness that's locked up inside of them. Remember I talked about unlocking things? When you start to operate in the, in the kingdom, in the mindset of the Lord, it unlocks things in them. I'm standing here on this platform because 15, 16 years ago, a man operated with a kingdom mentality and it unlocked something in me. And, and he saw something that I couldn't see in myself. He saw something that I couldn't see in myself and he believed in me. We are called to believe in those that are around us. Amen. And let me say this. It's a place to become or be long while you're becoming. This is a place that you can be long while you become. Amen. Because we're and that doesn't stop. I'm still becoming. I'm st I haven't made it. If we ever if I get, let me say that if we ever get to that place, you know, that where it says woe in the Bible. Well, I don't know what woe is. I don't want nothing to do with it. OK, but woe unto me if I ever get to a place where we stop becoming who God's called us to be. Amen. Personal development is a continuation process. It's something that continues. And your development, you, you, I've read the Bible all the way through. I've read the Bible, you know, I already read it. You need to read it again. And you need to read it 87 times. Because every time you do, you pick up something that you didn't see before. And every time you do, that commitment and that discipline helps you grow in Christ. Your pursuit of God is what pleases Him. Anybody who's pursuing Him is pleasing Him. I got a quick story. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, a senior at Lee. Uh, I grew up here, if you don't know that, fifth generation in this. So he and I are diametrically opposite, our, our backgrounds. I'm fifth generation in church. I mean, that's all I know. 
but I'm at Lee, and it's, it's uh, spring convocation. Those of you that went to Lee, you know what I'm talking about. It's the time. Uh, now, it's a little different now. They got speakers. Back then, we had Holy Ghost filled preachers. They were throwing down. And it's March. I got no job. I got no future. I stayed. I prayed. I was slayed. And the preacher that preached that night came out. There was nobody left. Nobody left in the building at Con Center. I'm on my face. I open my eyes. The place is empty. But just for whatever reason that night, the preacher that preached came out. I went over. I'm, I'm broken. I'm crying. I'm, I'm slobbering. I'm sweating. I'm spitting. And, and I said, Brother Livingston, I said, I can't hear God. God's not talking to me. Anybody ever been there? God's just not talking. I can't hear God. I'm, I'm pursuing him. I'm working. I'm trying so hard. It's March. I got no job. I'm graduating in May. I, I, I got to get off mom and dad's payroll. I got no future. Nobody, I got nothing. And Brother Livingston, Loran Livingston from Charlotte, North Carolina, looked at me and said, Boy, go get in your car and go to Shoney's and get you a big boy. Now, back then, that's all we had. We had Shoney's. Anybody live here back in the days? Bought Fulbright Park and Shoney's. That's all that was on Keith Street. And I, I was like, you big, mm, you know, I'm like, what in the world? did I said, you don't understand. I have no future. I'm about to graduate. I got no job. I got no wife. I got nothing. I've been laying down here. I've been slayed. I'm, he said, boy, get in your car and go get you a Shoney's big boy. And I said, what does that mean? You know what he said? It was so simple, and it just cleared it all up for me. He said, God is pleased with your purpose. He's pleased with your pursuit. He sees great value in you, right as you are. And Jeremiah 29 says he's got a future, right. a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11, read it in the message translation. It says this, I know what I'm doing. That's a confident God. And if we're confident in God, then we need to be confident that he's got a plan and a future. When you got a Marlboro pack rolled up in your sleeve and you got cut off jean shorts on and you're walking around saying, yo, yo, what is a mentorship? I don't even know what that from. I'm from, I'm from New Jersey. I don't even talk like you guys. God is pleased with your purpose as long as you're pursuing him. That's the truth. I, I want to say this because I, as I was preparing for in my notes I want to make sure that this is applicable when we leave here. Everything that we do in here should be applicable when we leave here. Amen. This is not a, it's not about this. Okay. It's, it's about doing what you learn in here and what you grab in here, the revelation. And we're still, we're still grabbing. I'm still grabbing revelation. I mean, I sit down and listen to Pastor Kevin. We pontificate about things and it's like, like, and, and, and so I grab that and you start to implement that in your life. But one of the things that Lord really wanted to, me to speak on tonight as we get ready to wrap up, um, talking about love calls out of you what God sees in you. Uh, some of us, you know, we could implement that here, but are we implementing that at home? I could love those in the lobby, but if I'm not loving my wife at home or my husband at home, Come on, somebody. If, if I can't see what God sees in them, I, just, I feel like I just need to say it because God said it before I got out here. So I'm going to say it. God's the scripture. I mean, Ephesians. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let's just say spouses. 
If you're at home and you're calling out the things that frustrate you and not the queen or the king in your spouse, amen, somebody? Amen, somebody? It's real easy. It's real easy to get caught up in the frustration. Of, marriage ain't a peach. It's not. It's just not. I mean, there's times where there's things that happen and you're, you get frustrated. You got anybody got kids? Just throw that into the mix. You know, uh, and, and you can become you can allow that frustration to call out things out of your spouse that that's not what God sees in them. He sees them as as a prophetess or a prophet full of power, full of the anointing, uh, able to declare things over regions and nations to break chains and yoke. Somebody come on. And, and you're over here and you're saying you're a dunce. And you wonder why there's. Oh, man. There's a marriage ministry retreat that we're going to have. I don't know if we said anything about that. Did we say, okay, uh, but, but it's the truth. Try, try calling out what God sees in them and watch that thing shift. Watch the transformation. And when it starts at home and you become a conduit of that, it's contagious. It is contagious. Amen. Amen. I, I think we're going to land... Um, As I was sitting here, I was looking at my phone. I wasn't texting. I was looking something up real quick. I feel like the Lord said that he wants us to, I just, he wants to baptize us in love. How many want that? How many want that? How many want to love people and love like God loves? How many want to love your children? I mean, there it is. I mean, there's another one. Man, you can get frustrated with your children to a point where you you are canceling the assignment on their lives because life and death is in the power of the tongue. And instead of calling out of them what God has instilled in them, it's your responsibility to unlock that. I told Pastor Richie, I can't be mad with my son if I didn't tell him, if I didn't instruct him, if I didn't love him enough to sit him down. I was almost going to call this living room lessons. What is, what is, you know, what happens when the family needs to have a talk and we need to talk about, it's, it's get them, sit on the couch and let's talk about some things. I can't, I can't be mad at Gavin or my family if I didn't, you know, if I didn't raise my kids and, and teach them the way that they should go, instruct them based from a position of loving them. Right? Amen. So I want us to stand real quick. There are so many places that I wanted to go tonight. I wanted to talk about belonging and and opportunities. This house loves well. We have, do Christmas share, Thanksgiving share. If you don't know what that is, it's it's handing toys out to thousands of families who are less fortunate. It's Chris, Thanksgiving share. I got pictures of my four-year-old handing out celery. He likes celery. I don't understand it, but he loves celery, and he's handing out celery to families. And and and, um, but when we were out here doing selling Christmas trees, that wasn't about selling Christmas trees. That was about giving money to uh, a cause of helping families, the empty stocking fund, so that they would have Christmas. It's loving people that I don't even know. That's that's the baptism of love that God wants to do in this house, because. Love transcends all boundaries. 
I've, I've been out there. Actually, I've been in Christmas share where there was a drug addict that got saved the week before. And he's standing there handing out toys to less fortunate families when he was less fortunate himself next to a, a Bible scholar who went to, to call Bible college and was in seminary. And, and, and that, and it, tra it love transcends all racial boundaries, all socioeconomical right. boundaries. It, it transcends all things. And so if we are a house of love and if we can grab a hold of this revelation and run with it. We will see the kingdom of heaven invade this community, invade our lives. You want to talk about gifts. Uh, when you start marrying gifts with fruit. start marrying those things together and it's not just now it's not just a gift but it's it there's fruit that, that there's there's something that's birthed from that Ooh, it's and it's contagious generosity it, it unlocks generosity spirit of generosity it, man i could i've seen the stingiest people that, that are holding on to everything they have going it's like the it's like a christmas carol like Ebenezer all of a sudden just had a moment, like, just, just gen a spirit of generosity hits because love hits the heart of humanity. And, and now you're operating in your God and it unlocks things in your house. It unlocks things for you. Something shifts in your life. And all of a sudden, the things that you have been praying for, it's like there was a wall up. And it wasn't that God was keeping it from you. He was keeping it for you until you had the revelation, until you caught a hold of it because then he can trust you with it. He can't give you something he can't trust you with. Amen? Amen? And, and, and his people are important to him. It's his creation. How many when you were a kid, you painted a picture and you brought it home to your parents and, and, and or have kids who painted pictures when they were little and they brought it home? I, I didn't. My parents didn't smoke. I made an ashtray and I, was, I, didn't, I don't even know why. My mom used it for like putting rings and things in. But I was like, Mom, I made you an ashtray, you know, and I was so proud of this thing. And, 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 and as as your creation, I mean, that's the father. We are his creation. He is so proud of us. And then when we operate in that, that calling at our fullest capacity, he just sits back and he's like. I knew it was in them the whole time. And it's because of another, uh, because of another one of his creations unlocked it in them. That's the ministry. That's the ministry of the kingdom. You have anything to add? Yeah, to we're going to give an opportunity to pray. We're going to dismiss you momentarily. You, you, in a moment, you'll be able to go get your children. But I got to obey the Lord, and I don't often hear a strong voice like I'm hearing right now. But we just came through the Christmas season, and um, I just hear the word loneliness. And you know, Pastor Devin prays a lot for barrenness. We've had messages recently about barrenness, but. Through the Christmas season, I read a statistic that said that 76% of America is lonely during holiday seasons. And there are single parents here tonight. There are single people that are seeking uh, companionship. There, there, is a, there is a group of people. And we're not going to call you out. We're not going to embarrass you. And we're going to pray for all needs. Pastor Chris is going to pray under the anointing. I'm going to come down, lay hands on you. And those of you that, that don't want to pray or you've already prayed up and you're good, you're going to be dismissed momentarily. But I just feel a strong sense of urgency because the statistic didn't stop 
at 76% of America. It said it's the same in the church as it is outside the church. And see, Jesus didn't come just to forgive our sins. That's the primary reason, but he also came to be a friend. He came to eliminate loneliness. He came to be there for you 24-7 whenever you call upon his name. So tonight, we're not going to delineate needs so that you're embarrassed and, oh, that person came down for that and that person came down for that. But we are going to give an altar call. We are going to pray with you. And I'm going to ask Pastor Chris to do that momentarily and he can dismiss those. But I just feel an anointing to pray for anybody who's lonely. So if that's you, when you come down here, my wife and I want to pray with you. I just, I, what we're going to do is we all need a, we need a double dose of love. We are living in a dark, loveless society. And so I want us all to just lift our hands right now. We're all going to, we're going to ask that the Lord would baptize us in his love. That we would be loved to love. Amen. So Father, I just pray right now. I just pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus. First and foremost, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your love. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are love, God. I thank you. I thank you for loving me. I thank you, Lord. I thank you that I didn't do have to do anything to earn your love. I thank you, Lord, that you are, you, are, you are just a loving God that loved me out of my mess and into my mission. And I just give you glory for it. And today I just ask that same baptism. I just ask you that that, that same love uh, that, that, that I have experienced would just be unleashed and released in this house. Father, right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Yes, okay. Holy Spirit, right now. He's hovering in this room. Oh, God, I thank you. I just want you to, as you have your hands lifted, I just want you to say, here I am, Lord. 